Hi everybody, it's Nathaniel Avila reporting from Dallas uh, with Timbro Hildebrand reporting from the Arlington, Texas. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very tired because I've been <laughs> working a lot on like this job application test edit. So, oh, well, I hope it goes well. Me too. Well, I sent them first the one and they, they sent me a, a list of revisions, so that's what I've been doing most of the day. How fun. Uh-huh. So, um, what have you been up to? Oh, kind of the same thing, you know, working on a, working on scripts, working on films, that kind of thing. Homework for my, you know, my degree at UTA, but, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right, so what are we watching today? What are we talking about today? We are talking about Peter Pan, if I am not mistaken. Peter Pan. Uh, made in 1953. Really? By, wow, yeah. that was a long time ago. Yeah. By, made by three people, Clyde Jeromini, Wilford Jackson, and Hamilton Lusk. So let's get into some background about this film. So it started off in London uh, in 1900. Uh, no, that's that's not. That's the plot. Never mind. <laughs> it actually started in 1935 when... Uh, Walt Disney expressed interest in go- doing an adaptation of Peter Pan as his second film after Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. However, the live-action rights were held by Paramount. The copyright owner, was the Hospital for Sick Children in London, unsuccessfully offered to have Disney make an agreement with Paramount. However, in January 1939, Disney obtained the animation rights to the play by outbidding Fleischer Studios, which was also developing animated feature films by early 1939 a story reel had been completed and by following may disney had several animators in mind for the characters vladimir titla was considered for the pirates norman ferguson for the dog who also animated pluto and fred moore for tinkerbell so during this time disney explored many possible interpretations of the story in the earliest version of the film uh, would start by telling Peter's backstory, but during the story meeting in May 20th, 1940, Disney said, we ought to get right to, to the story itself, where Peter Pan comes into the house to get his shadow. That's where the story picks up. How Peter came to be is really another story. So Disney also explored the idea of opening the film in Neverland with Peter Pan coming to Wendy's house to kidnap her as a mother for the Lost Boys. Eventually, Disney decided that the kidnapping plot plot was too dark and he went back to to Burry's original play in which Peter comes to get a shadow and Wendy is eager to see Neverland. So, there goes that. So, following the bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, the United States military took control of the studio and commissioned Walt Disney Productions to produce training and war propaganda films. So pre-production work on Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland was shelved. However, the Bank of America allowed production to continue during the war. After the war, work on the film resumed with Jack Kinney as the director. At the time, Kinney had considered leaving Disney for Metro-Golden-Meyer Cartoon Studio, but wartime restrictions prevented it because he did not want Kinney to get out of his contract. Uh, Disney appointed Kinney to direct Peter Pan, so that's what he did. So during the same time, 
Disney talked to Mary Martin, who was appearing in a stage production of the play about voicing Peter Pan, although Roy O. Disney complained that her voice was too heavy, matured, and sophisticated. Jean Arthur uh, contacted Walt about being considered for the role. Uh, Disney also liked uh, talked to Cary Grant about voicing Captain Hook. So, a possibility to which Grant replied that the idea intrigued him. Impatient with delays, Disney asked Kinney to work on sequences consecutively rather than finishing the entire script before it was storyboarded, so that a, time, a scene would be approved at the morning at the story uh, morning story meeting and then immediately put into development. Six months later, during a storyboard meeting, Kinney presented a two and a half hour presentation during which Disney sat silently and then stated, "You know, I've been thinking about Cinderella." <laughs> so by 1947, Walt Disney Productions' financial health started to improve again, and around this time, Walt Disney uh, acknowledged the need for sound economic policies, uh, but emphasized in his financial backers that slashing production would be suicidal. In order to restore the studio into full financial health, Disney expressed a desire to return to producing full-length animated films. By then, three animated projects, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan were in development. Disney felt that the characters in Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan were too cold, but as Cinderella contained elements similar to those in Snow White, he decided to greenlight Peter Pan, placing it back into production in May 1949. So, the scene in the nursery went through many alterations, so in one version, it is Mrs. Darling who finds Peter Pan's shadow and shows it to Mr. Darling as in the original play. In another version of the film, Nana, the dog, goes to Neverland with Peter Pan and the Darling children, the story being told through her eyes. In another interpretation of the story, John Darling is left behind for being too serious, practical, and boring. But story artist Ralph Wright convinced Disney to have John go with the others to Neverland. This adaptation also included Wendy bringing her Peter Pan picture book and Peter and the children eating an imaginary dinner. At one point, the party in Peter's hideout was conceived at which Tinkerbell becomes humiliated and in her rage tells Captain Hook the location of Peter Pan's hideout of her own free will. However, Disney felt that this story was contrary to Tinkerbell's character. Instead, he had Captain Hook kidnapping Tinkerbell and persuading her to tell him. In Barry's play, Captain Hook puts poison in Peter's dose of medicine and Tinkerbell saves Peter by drinking the poison herself, only to be revised by applause of the theater audience. After which, after much debate, Disney discarded the story's development, fearing that it would be difficult to achieve in a film. In earlier scripts, there were more scenes involving pirates and mermaids that were similar to those with the dwarves in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Ultimately, these scenes were cut for pacing reasons. So the film concept was also a bit darker at one point uh, than that of the finished project. For example, there were scenes involving Captain Hook being killed by the crocodile, the Darling family mourning over her lost children, and Peter and the children discovering the pirate's treasure loaded with booby traps, thus ending the story of the production of Peter Pan. That's a lot. Yeah, that was quite an extensive history of, of this particular film. So tell me, what is your uh, your uh, f first uh, impressions of this film? 
very much a film of its time period. Like, mm-hmm. it feels... Like, it, it definitely fits the time period that it came out in. It is interesting. I will say it's... Um, it's not, even though it is lighthearted in certain places, what I do take away from this film is it's a little bit darker right. than some of the other early Disney films. Though, though admittedly, Snow White was pretty dark. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess that kind of makes sense. It kind of harkens back more to that. Alice in Wonderland was a little bit more of a darker tone. So I definitely feel that there. It wasn't quite as lighthearted as, say, uh, Cinderella. Right. Um, now you said it was a product of its time. Are you are you referring to its more racially insensitive <laughs> aspects? Um. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about that, but I just, uh, in addition to that, I just mean like the f- feel of the film as a whole feels very much and of the fifties era. I don't. Yeah. I don't really know how to explain it. Just kind of like the way wendy communicates with peter you know how she's very mature for her age mm-hmm. and stuff like that i was kind of thinking more of that but yes definitely the definitely the uh uh racially insensitive uh native american depiction for yeah. sure now in disney plus has since updated its its uh uh warnings or disclaimers about these more outdated mo like outdated uh, depictions of certain groups on Disney Plus. It used to be just like it would just be like one line in the uh, in the information description uh, section of the film before you press play. But now, if soon as you press play, it would show like a warning about that. Oh no, there's gonna be there's there's some more racially insensitive stuff here, and that might be outdated before the film starts so um there's that and i think the biggest uh proponent in this film is the depiction of native americans is that right oh yeah for sure Mm -hmm. so what's what's your take on that well it definitely is reflective of the time period that that was kind of just an okay thing to do you know i don't know if the filmmakers were intentionally being mean-spirited or if they just did it kind of out of ignorance either way i think it's probably a good thing that that's addressed before you know you watch the film i'm glad that disney are putting disclaimers because i mean it's still it doesn't the movie is still good good movies can have pitfalls in them and i mean i still think this film is fairly interesting and um can be enjoyed but i think it is good that um, Disney Plus is kind of like putting out there, not like getting rid of the film completely, but putting out there, hey, you know, there's some stuff here that definitely isn't okay. You know, we're going to talk about it and draw your attention to it so that, you know, you think about it and you're aware of it and kind of like, you know, in a, in a more thoughtful manner. Right. And so I, I think I think they, 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 call, they made a good call there. Right. And... I know, like, the way that Native Americans are depicted in this particular film is they, they mostly say the word redskin for them. Mm-hmm. That's what they're ultimately referred to. It's not considered to be a slur, but it is considered... But Native Americans really don't like it when you call them that. Um, and I remember there's this huge. I don't know if you're how big in sports are you are, but there's this. There was this. They've been Native American groups have been debate have been petitioning to remove uh, the mascot of the Washington football team 
for a yeah. long time. And uh, they, I think this past year they finally did it. Uh, they finally removed it, but they haven't decided on what it's going to be called yet. Right now it's just called the Washington football team. So, um, yeah, there's like that kind of thing. And also they had that song, <laughs> What Makes the Red Man Red. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that one did not age well, let me tell you. No, not at all. No, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then people are, like, just mimicking what they think Native Americans sound like. Uh, especially yeah. <laughs> Peter Pan. Um, and so, yeah, now that we got that elephant out of the room, it is so, like, I know that we say that that's bad. Bad depiction. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, uh, moving on from that, we also got the uh, depiction of pirates in this film. Uh, now, there's a theory going on that the pirates were actually former Lost Boys who didn't want, who decided that they did, they wanted to grow up, and that's what they decided to do. Do you agree with that? I mean, I'm I'm sure I've heard that. I mean, I I guess that works personally i don't think that's what's going on there but it's an interesting theory yeah i mean how else are adults in neverland well it is a movie but oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah that's a fair question yeah so okay like what is your depiction of the pirates and the pirates role in this film i know captain hook is considered to be the one of the most iconic pirate characters in fiction and cinema kind of fits the sort of Disney trope, you know, that most of them are very goofy and not very bright. Um, so that makes them kind of like fun to fun to watch because they're so ridiculous. Mhm. So uh how is like Captain Hook as a villain? Would you say that he's like the uh juxtaposition of Peter Pan and his entire beliefs? say that he just kind of seems like an antagonist i mean he doesn't like peter but i think that has more to do with the fact that peter's kind of a nuisance and he chopped his hand off mm -hmm. <clears throat> so like as more like as more of an adult do you see more of captain hook's side or are you still team peter well i mean both of them kind of have their pitfalls i mean peter's not the best either mm -hmm. but um i mean I mean, it's kind of hard to say, because, I mean, Captain Hook's still pretty awful. He's capturing all these kids and throwing them off a boat. So, oh, yeah, he did do that. Kind of hard to see from his perspective. I mean, you can see that, he, like, you can kind of see why he'd want to get back at Peter, because Peter's kind of a little punk and cut <laughs> off his hand. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, he's an interesting villain. He's, I definitely think he's one of the more funny villains. He doesn't seem quite as nefarious as, say, Maleficent. Right. And also, we have the crocodile with a clock in his mouth. Uh, oh, yeah, there's yeah. that, too. Yeah, he's also, he's supposed to represent time. What? <laughs> I bet that one, that one took some big brain energy to figure that one out. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, speaking of which, Peter Pan does definitely, you know want Wendy to stay and he does have no regard for what she wants and what the other people would like like what John and Michael would like he only really cares he only he's, he really thinks that he he only really 
cares about himself. Yeah, he's he's a fairly selfish character, I'd say. Yeah, like, also, he also kind of, like, what do you think about his relationship with Tinkerbell? Um, I think it's kind of interesting. I think that's where you kind of see that Peter isn't quite as, you know, self-centered as you might think, because in the end, he does really care about Tinkerbell and wants to save her, you know, when she sacrifices him, herself for him. So, I mean... I think it's an interesting relationship, but it, it, it's interesting. That's that's what I'd say, because, like, she clearly cares about him a lot. Sometimes they've done, like, a weird romantic thing between the two of them, and it's kind of hinted at in this, which would make it a little weird, but um, but I guess, like, she kind of sees it like Peter only needs one girl in his life, and that's her, and she doesn't like him bringing in this other uh, new person. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that in this film that that um tinkerbell definitely just wants to get with peter pan and is mm-hmm. super possessive and jealous of any other woman in peter's life which is is definitely not good uh on her end but peter definitely kind of is insanely oblivious to what her feelings are and just doesn't acknowledge them at all and that could also be kind of pretty emotionally damaging. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, so, but then again, he is just uh, just a kid at the same time. Uh, so he probably doesn't know how to deal with s- such emotions. Uh, so what do we think about the darling parents in the beginning of the film? I mean, I'd say they're definitely more kind of like caricatures than actual characters. You know, that you have the mom, she's sweet and understanding of their, you know, their, I guess, fantasies and uh, childlikeness. And then the dad, he's more strong-armed, he wants them to grow up and, you know, not be so childish. Um, I mean, they, they serve their purpose to kind of juxtapose one another and show the influences that they're having on their kids yeah and it's like um when i first saw the mom it's like oh like i can tell this model was just out of the disney template oh yeah for (laughs) sure mom (laughs) it's just generic generic disney woman uh as the as the model um and so like it like it's supposed to esta- I know that the the parents are supposed to establish the disconnect between adulthood and cho- and and childhood fantasy, and like oh snap oh these adults they're so uh, up their own butts they don't understand man what it's like to be a kid, man <laughs> and so it's kind of I know it's supposed to set up that kind of mentality for the for the film, but at the end we dis- we discover. That the dad also went to Neverland a long time ago. Isn't that mm-hmm. nice? That is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for the prequel, the live-action prequel, <laughs> about that. <laughs> for di- coming out to Disney Plus for $50. So, yeah, I mean, what did you think about the mermaids in this film? They are a stark departure from The Little Mermaid, let's just say that much. They're kind of scary, murdery ladies. 
Oh yeah. Didn't they try to, they try to drown Wendy, right? Yeah, that was kind of unsettling. Oh no. But no, I mean like it was it was an interesting little, I guess, aesthetic, you know, to have the mermaids there cuz that's kind of what they were. They weren't really characters so much as just um uh, I guess colorful pieces of Neverland that we got to see while we were exploring it through the movie. Mhm. So like why cuz I know the reason why Peter Pan brought Wendy to uh, the Lost Boys is for them to uh, have, I guess, like a mother or fill in a mother role. Why would they need a mother role if they could just be just be kids and just do whatever they want? Um, I mean, I guess it was just reflecting that, like, they all yearned for kind of like a caretaker because they felt kind of alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, it, like, it also shows that no matter how much that you need like you want to stay in this childhood fantasy and want to live without adults you still need that kind of that i guess that motherly figure in your life to do things for you Mm -hmm. that other children cannot do yeah there's definitely a role the nurturing role a mother plays that can't be replicated in friends or even father figures sometimes Mm -hmm. um so I think it's just showing that, like, they, they desired that, and they needed it, and in a way, like, we all need that. Right. So, do you find the character of Peter Pan relatable? Um, I mean, not personally. I feel like he's more of an embodiment of, sort of, that idea of, like, what we all kind of yearn for in our most rebellious, childlike stages. You know, we want to be our own masters and control our own destiny, and be zero and always be smarter than all the adults around us <laughs> yeah like i noticed like uh, like in some of the disney films uh they're like well like adults are like they're so dumb am i right but us kids we're like the best <laughs> am i right mm-hmm. and so like what do you what did you think about like the background that Peter that the Peter Pan production had? Um, you mean like the play and stuff like that? No, like the like the uh the production of going into it with uh the Disney Studios with World War Two coming in and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I mean I mean I guess it's just it's a long story and it kinda makes sense. War tends to throw a wrench into things. Yeah. So uh, anything else that you would like to talk about in Peter Pan? Um, let me think. Um, I mean, the music is interesting. That's oh, yeah. that's something to note. Oh yeah, we got the the the. Uh, I believe we can fly. No, uh, yeah, you can fly. A... <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. I believe we can fly <laughs> is a different song. <laughs> and um, uh, and the the racially insensitive one. The, oh yeah, we talked about yeah, that one. The one where they walk across a field and say "Hi ho, hi ho!" off to uh, yeah, the Native American yeah. tribe we go. And... I remember, I remember, we were a group of girls from my church. We'd gotten together and we were just kind of hanging out and watching old Disney and watching Disney movies. And we weren't really, and clearly, we hadn't watched Peter Pan in a while because we had kind of forgotten about that song where they're like, "We're going to fight the." you know, yeah. and uh, oh, we were the, sitting down, yeah. and we, we got to that song, and we were kind of like, oh, wow, we uh, we kind of forgot about this part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's when they say this really, the 
the more offensive way to say yeah Indian. yeah that one <laughs> oh yeah, yeah where they go say we're gonna fight the the the, in, the native american tribesmen uh, yeah and there's also the pirate song where they're like hi ho hi ho it's off to work we go i mean it's a pirate's life for me or something like that yeah yeah so what was which which was your favorite song I don't remember the song super well, so I guess I just like the one where they're flying. That one's fun. I think that's the best bet because that's the only one that's not offensive. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have like offensive lyrics in it. Oh my gosh! So like, how how can we as an audience in twenty twenty look at like such films that were meant to, for children in nineteen fifty three? but they obviously have, like, different connotations. Can a person watch, with a modern outlook, watch such films and watch it to, like, watch show your kids these films? Um, I mean, I think it really just depends on how you feel about it, you know? And, I mean, I think it, like, you still can show these films to kids nowadays. Honestly, nowadays, I don't know if kids would be particularly interested in films like these because they are very different. But, um... I mean, like, I, I don't see any problem with showing it as long as you're willing to have that conversation about how, okay, this was a different time and this is not right the way that they depict this, you know, other race of, pe- this race of people. Like, that's not okay. They were, it was, it's an ignorant and offensive depiction. Um, and I mean, it just kind of depends. Like, if that, if, if you, if you're okay with just kind of having that conversation with your kids and then showing it, then that's fine. I mean, if you feel like, you know, your kids don't need that in your brain, that's also your prerogative, you know? it's It kind of just has to be a personal choice if you feel, you know, if you feel convicted about watching it or... Um, as long as you're aware, and I think Disney is, like, doing that by giving that kind of disclaimer before the film, as long as you're kind of aware of, you know, the, you know, the pitfalls of such films. Right. So, like, you would definitely show this to your kids if you would have or have any. But you would I have mean, to explain it. Peter Pan isn't one of my favorites, so I probably wouldn't show it to my kids just because I personally wouldn't be interested in watching it because it's not one of my favorites. I don't think it's a bad movie necessarily. It's just not one of my favorites. But, I mean, if my kids wanted, if I was to have kids and they wanted to watch Peter Pan, we'd just kind of have, we'd have to have that conversation about how, And I'd probably want them to be older before they watched it so that they can understand you know what what the issue is there right um so yeah i mean any final thoughts about peter pan um i mean i think it's an interesting movie i definitely think it it reflects some really cool animation of the time Mm -hmm. that that alone is is worth watching it and i mean it's an interesting story yeah like what do you think it has like the commentary that it has to say about growing up i think it shows you that like you know there comes a time where like you have to grow up you can't just stay in this sort of uh you know childlike bliss your entire life and also even as a child you can't always have this sort of like my way or the highway mentality all the time right and uh so i mean that's 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 what it kind of tells you that um as it is to be free and not have anyone tell you what to do we do need structure in our lives and we need parents and we need you know work and stuff like that so I mean, if anything, I think it kind of reflects that, you know, uh, even our greatest fantasies have their pitfalls. Right. And, yeah, I think also the pirates also definitely represent their, like, scary view of adults. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And 
Like also like in the movie Hook, where Peter Pan grows up to be a workaholic stick in the mud. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a tale for another day. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So what did what would you rate Peter Pan? Um, I mean, I'd probably give it six or seven out of ten. I mean, it. I I still think it's a well-made movie. Um, even if it's not my favorite per se, I think the story is still somewhat interesting, and you know there are clear pitfalls in it, which I do think affect it somewhat. But I still think it's a it's a fairly good movie. Yeah, I give it an 8 out of 10, because it lost points on being kind of racist. <laughs> kind of? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Peter Pan for you. Um, so yeah, that was that was great. Uh, you can watch it on Disney+, Plus, but viewer beware. <laughs> Alright, so, um, yep, that's it. Bye! Bye! Thank you for listening to A Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies. The kingdom, evil exists, and many more.